Part two, chapter twenty of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter twenty. No day could have been more unfavorable for presenting Denisov's petition to the Emperor than that on which Rostov went to Tilsit. He himself could not appear in the presence of the general in charge for the reason that he was in civilian's dress and had come away without leave of absence, and Boris, even if he had the best will in the world, could not do this on the day that followed Rostov's arrival at Tilsit. On that day, the ninth of July, the preliminary articles of peace were signed, the emperors exchanged orders, Alexander received that of the Legion of Honor, and Napoleon that of St. Andrew of the first degree, and on that same day a dinner was to be given to the Preobaskensky Battalion by the Battalion of the French Guards. The emperors had both agreed to be present at this banquet. Rostov felt so ill at ease and so offended with Boris that, when, after the supper was over, Boris came back to talk with him, he pretended to be asleep, and on the next day he left the house early in the morning, taking especial pains not to see him. Nikolai, in his civilian's hat and cloak, wandered about the city, gazing at the French and their uniforms, studying the streets and residences where the French and Russian emperors were lodged. On the square he saw tables laid out, and men making preparations for the banquet. Along the streets he beheld draperies with the Russian and French colors entwined, and the letters A and N in monogram. In the windows of the houses there were also flags and monograms. Boris isn't willing to help me, and I won't have anything more to do with him. That's a settled thing, thought Nikolai. It's all over between us. But I won't leave town until I have done the best I can for Denisov, and at least handed his petition to the sovereign. To the sovereign? He is there, said Rostov to himself, involuntarily attracted back to the mansion occupied by Alexander. In front of the door stood saddle-horses, and the suite were assembling, evidently for the purpose of escorting His Majesty on a ride. "'At any moment I may see him,' said Rostov to himself. "'If I could only put the letter straight into his hands. But wouldn't they arrest me, on account of being out of uniform? Impossible. He would understand on whose side justice lay. He understands everything. He knows everything. Who could be more just and generous than he? Besides, if they were to arrest me for being here, what harm would it be?' he asked himself, catching sight of an officer going into the house where the emperor lived. It seems people do go in. Ugh, it's all nonsense. I will go and give the petition to the sovereign myself, so much the worse for Drubretskoy, who drives me to it. And suddenly, with a resolution which was unexpected even to himself, Rostov grasped the letter in his pocket and went straight to the residence occupied by the sovereign. Now, this time I will not miss my chance, as I did at Austerlitz, he said to himself, expecting every moment to meet the emperor, and feeling the blood rush to his heart at the mere thought. I will fall at his feet and beseech him. He will lift me, listen to me, and even thank me. I am glad of any opportunity of doing good, but to right wrongs is my greatest happiness, said Rostov, imagining the words which his sovereign would say to him. And, though he had to run the gauntlet of the inquisitive glances fastened upon him, he went up the front steps of the imperial residence. From the porch a broad staircase led straight upstairs. At the right was a half-open door. Below, at the foot of the staircase, was still another door, leading to the ground floor. "'What do you wish?' asked someone. "'To give a letter, a petition to His Majesty,' said Rostov, in a trembling voice. "'A petition. It should go to the general in charge. Please pass this way,' he indicated the door leading to the ground floor. "'But he won't receive it.' On hearing this voice, so cold and unconcerned, Rostov was panic-stricken at his audacity, 
the thought that he might at any moment meet his majesty was so entrancing and at the same time so terrible to him that he felt like running away but the camerfoyer who came to meet him opened the door into the general's office and rostof went in a short stout man thirty years of age in white trousers hessian boots and a bastite shirt apparently meant for summer only was standing in this room a valet was behind him buttoning a pair of handsome new braces embroidered in silk as rostof could not help noticing the gentleman was talking with some one in the next room bien fait et la butte du diable devilishly well made this man was just saying but when he caught sight of rostof he stopped and frowned what is it you want a petition what is it asked the individual in the next room another petitioner replied the man in the braces tell him to come later he's going out we've got to go with him come later to-morrow to-morrow it's too late now rostof turned round and was about to go when the man in the braces stopped him who is it from who are you it's from major denisof replied rostof and who are you an officer yes a lieutenant count rostof what audacity give it to your general and be gone with you be gone and he put on the rest of the uniform handed him by his valet rostof went down into the entry again and noticed that on the steps there were still many officers and generals in full parade uniform and that he would have to pass by them all cursing his audacity his heart sinking within him at the thought that at any moment he might meet the sovereign and be mortified and even put under arrest in his presence appreciating all the impropriety of his conduct and regretting it rostof with downcast eyes was hastening away from the house which was now surrounded by the glittering officers of the suite when a well-known voice called him by name and someone's hand was laid on his shoulder well bayushka what are you doing here without a uniform demanded a deep bass voice this was a general of cavalry formerly commander of the division in which rostof served during the campaign he had won the signal favour of the sovereign rostof was started and began to justify himself but when he saw the general's good-natured jocose face he drew him to one side and began in a voice choked by emotion to lay his whole case before him and begged the general to take the part of denisof who was well known to him the general listened to rostof's story and shook his head gravely pity pity he's a brave fellow give me his letter rostof had only just handed him the petition and finished telling the whole story when quick steps and jingling of spurs was heard on the staircase and the general leaving him hurried to the steps the gentlemen composing the sovereign's suite hastened down from the staircase and went to their horses the equerry hain the same one who had accompanied the sovereign at the battle of austerlitz brought up the emperor's steed and then on the staircase was heard the slight squeak of steps which rostof instantly knew forgetting his apprehension of being recognized rostof went close to the doorsteps with many other curious spectators from among the natives and again though two years had passed he recognized those adored features the same face the same glance the same gait the same union of majesty and sweetness and that feeling of enthusiasm and love for his sovereign rose in rostof's soul with all its former force the emperor wore the preobatsensky uniform white chemise leather breeches hessian boots with a star of an order which rostof did not know it was the legion d'honneur as he came out on the steps he held his hat under his arm and was putting on his gloves he paused glanced around and his glance seemed to light up all about him he said a few words to one of the generals 
he also recognized the general who had been formerly commander of rostof's division gave him a smile and beckoned to him all the suite moved away from them and rostof noticed that this general held a rather long conversation with the sovereign the emperor said a few words in reply and took a step towards his horse again the crowd of the suite and the crowd of spectators with rostof in their number followed after the emperor standing by his steed with his arm thrown over the saddle the sovereign turned to the cavalry general and said in a loud voice evidently intending that he should be heard by all i cannot general and i cannot because the law is more powerful than i said the emperor and he put his foot in the stirrup the general respectfully inclined his head the emperor got into the saddle and rode at a gallop down the street rostof forgetting himself in his enthusiasm joined the crowd and ran after him End of chapter 20